From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I have such an interesting and fascinating and inspiring and sometimes heartbreaking guest today. His name is Joe McQuillan, and he's written a couple books, and they are talking about the soul. We're talking about the afterlife. We're talking about connection and oneness and channeling messages and information that can benefit the lives of not only us, but the people around us and the people listening to us. And the book is called that we're talking about today is we're not done yet, pop my lessons from the other side. And I'm going to turn the mic right over to Joe, because he can tell his story better than anyone. And I'm just going to say, go bills in two weeks, because we're in bills country. (laughs) Go bills. Sandra, thanks for having me on. Uh, You know, the title is, uh, uh, we're not done yet, pop my lessons from the other side. And literally, that's something uh, Chris had said to me. Uh, I had written a book, the first book called My Search for Christopher on the Other Side. I thought it was one and done. I thought we did our book. And then during a meditation, my son came through and said, we're not done yet, Pop. So uh, we started on the second book, which just came out. And thanks for promoting it. So, uh, you know, I, I think the best way to start is just start from, uh, from the beginning. And, uh, and in, in, in 2000, uh, winter, Christmas of 2015, that turned into January 2016. My son was home from college. He's 21 years old. And, uh, and it was the last weekend before they were all going back to school. He was at NIU. And, uh, and, uh, and a bunch of his pals decided to go up to one of their lake houses in Wisconsin, about an hour and a half away, for uh, the last hurrah, kick up their heels, have a little fun. And, and at first, Sally and I thought we were very comfortable because we thought going into a bucolic setting was a whole lot safer than going down the city of Chicago and, and whooping it up and, and, and getting overserved or whatever. So, uh, so the next day, actually, Christopher was uh, due back to watch a Bills game. It was a Bills Raiders game in, in January, 2003, January, 2016. And, and I started texting him in the morning, like, Hey buddy, where are you? You know? And they had all gone up there and there was a dozen of them, a dozen kids. They all went to high school together. Um, from varying groups, uh, and uh, but uh, you know a few age, a few grades apart at most, and uh, you know uh, about eleven thirty, I get a text from uh, his friend who owns the whose parents own this lake house, uh, and it said, "Mr. McHugh, uh, Christopher, and, and three friends uh, are missing." You know, so I uh, got up and put on a hunting jacket and grabbed the dog, threw her in the jeep. And honestly, uh, Sandra, I thought I was going to go up there and find him in a boathouse um, a garage with a, like, with, a, yeah. with a pretty co-ed or half in the bag, sleeping it off. And halfway up, I get a call from the uncle who lived a few doors down, said that it's no longer a uh, it's no longer a search, but a recovery that all four had drowned. 
And what happened is, you know, they all went out to a local tavern and whooped it up and shot pool and came back to the house. And and Christopher and three of his friends went outside and saw a boathouse and and went in and unlocked. And there was uh, some canoes and, and and there were life preservers, life jackets, which they didn't put on. And, you know, 21, uh, they thought they were uh, bulletproof. And and four guys jumped in a three-man canoe. And uh, it was a perfect storm. They had uh, layered clothing, Timberland boots, you know, some some ice on the on the cold frozen lake or halfway frozen lake, and then a snootful. And they jumped in and paddled out. None of them made it back, you know. So well, and this was December, January. This is January third, two thousand six. Wisconsin or Illinois? in Wisconsin. In, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So you're talking a temperature of maybe twenty five degrees. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, so the chances of surviving were, were pretty slim. And, and uh, so I, I pulled in the driveway and I got to tell you, once I got that second or that phone call, I, I think I was a bit in shock, to be honest with you. And uh, but I finished the drive up and, and I, to this moment, I, I can visualize walking in the front door and seeing a group of parents to the left crying, a group of the kids huddled around a breakfast table crying. I could see out the big picture window to the lake, a uh, bunch of rescue boats and lights and cameras and, and, and whatever. And, and, and it was just, you know, unbelievable. You know, uh, like I said, I believe I went into shock, you know, in Wisconsin, they don't let you identify the body. Christopher's body was recovered first. Um, you identify a photo, you know, and, and I'm a pretty hard nosed guy, but um, I didn't even, you know, I, I was in such shock that I just went with the program and, and, you know, I had to go outside and make phone calls. I had to call his mom. And, and, and in the second book is a, a story of my son, William, my baby, who's in, in, just turned 22 Monday night and was in Tennessee to see the Bills play Tennessee on Monday Night Football for his birthday present. And he, uh, he wrote a, a story called The First or the Worst. So he talked about when I called his mom and, and, and her reaction to howling as soon as she heard. And... Uh, I called his godmother, who's with him in heaven now, who, who is my sister. Uh, I called his godfather, my friend Michael. Um, you know, and it was surreal. You know, and uh, and it was crushing. You know, heartbreaking. I, I uh, you know, drove home. You couldn't. The, the body had to be shipped back. Coroner's report had to be done, and Wisconsin had to ship the body back to a local funeral home, and. Uh, so I, and, and on the way home, all, I was thinking, just trying to figure out all the things I had to do. You know, I had funeral arrangements and masses and receptions and gravestones and, th- you know, God forbid, something you'd never think you're going to do. You know, and, and a funny story, uh, Sandra, you know, heartbreaking story is that every night I'd get on my knees and, and, and thank God, you know, I would thank God. I've been sober now 36 years, but thank God for my family, my sobriety. Joe, I'm just going to jump in here for a second because now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor today is Business Wars. And Business Wars is brought to you by Wondering. If you don't know about these guys, you need to check them out. You need to listen to Business Wars on Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. And what I love about these things is that they are wars, Like, and they have these episode series. There's 416 to listen to, and you have ESP 
ESPN versus Fox. You've got a series on that. You've got Hershey's versus Mars. I mean, these business wars are phenomenal. And even the Christmas movie series um, you guys have to listen to because it talks about like all the different, you know, business wars out there. And each one of them is like between, you know, 23, 27 minutes long. So if you have some time in the car, or you have some time, you're going to want to check this out. And the one we're talking about today is really great because it goes back to 2007 when two roommates rented out an air mattress to strangers to earn extra money and their little experiment turned into Airbnb and it exploded into a worldwide phenomenon with rentals in over 100,000 cities. But one of those cities didn't want anything to do with the startup and that is New York. And Business Wars is a podcast from Wondery that examines the world's biggest company rivalries like we talked about earlier, ESPN versus Fox, Hershey's versus Mars, you know, the different Christmas movies coming out from the studios. And, you know, they they shape what we buy and how we live. And in the new season, Airbnb versus New York City, hear how the battle with the city became a symbol of the struggle between startups and regulators. So you're going to really want to listen to this. And an Airbnb host realized how lucrative this side hustle could be. And it quickly expanded to include apartments, luxury units, and even castles. And soon real estate speculators were snapping up properties left and right to rent out on Airbnb. But rather than make money for regular people as it promised, Airbnb began to limit New York's already short supply of affordable housing. And angry renters complained so much that New York City officials decided to do something about it. But Airbnb wasn't going to go down without a fight. So I'm not going to give any more away. You're going to want to listen to this because it is a really, really great podcast. So I want you guys to listen to Business Wars on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. I'm telling you guys, check it out. That ESPN versus Fox series, totally amazing. And then, of course, who doesn't love, you know, Hershey versus Mars? Like I said, there's 416 episodes. You're going to be so glad you listened to it. And check out this current Business Wars that's coming out, Airbnb versus New York City. And seriously, listen to it. It is so good. Now, we're talking today with Joe McQuillan, and we're talking about the afterlife and the experiences that he had after his son drowned. And Joe, you were telling us how you got sober and you didn't have a good relationship with God. And boy, when your son dies, I can't imagine that improved things, but I could be wrong. But I'd say, I'd say to God, you know, I'm not, we're not good, you and me. You took my kid, you know. So, um, the, you know, for the next few days, every day was running around about details and arrangements. And you're just shot. You're just, you're like a zombie. But I had two other kids and a wife and uh, they were heartbroken. And I, I you know, I, I couldn't quit. Right. You, know? you can't uh, fall apart. I wanted to run away, you know, but it wasn't in the cards. You know, I wanted to grab the dog golf clubs and head down to Key West and go away for a couple for a year. But that's it wasn't around, wasn't an option. So, uh, you know, the third night after the same prayer to God, where I'm letting him know that he and I are not good, I got a message, believe it or not, you know, that said, I'm I didn't take your son, though I welcomed him home, you know, his free will. And recklessness caused him to come home early. And remember, I lost a son too. So it was at that point in my, not a heavily religious fella, but at that point, I realized that God wasn't moving us around like chess pieces. 
you know, that he was a grieving, loving father holding me up while I tried to make arrangements, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, I immediately, I wasn't ready to let go of, uh, of a world devoid of Christopher. Sure. You know, 16 years before I had gone to a, a medium and her name's Nancy Myers. And she was out in the Western suburbs somewhere. And I went in and it was, it was kind of mundane, not much going on. And because uh, there was no sense of urgency then. I, it was just something I was trying to figure out. And at the end of it, she said to me, but your dad's here. And he's saying, telling you railroad. And he's holding a caboose. Now, if you look behind me on top of the, yeah. the bookcase, there's a, there's a railroad lantern there. So we were a railroad family. Dad spent 40 years on the railroad. My grandfather, my uncle Bill, every boy, there were five of us, worked on the railroad through college. I stayed on as a brakeman. So I had the occasion to work with my old man. I remember when I was a kid, spend the night at, you know, at the Yardmaster Tower with the old man. So we were railroad. So when they said that, it was like, huh, you know, he didn't give me the lottery numbers. He didn't give me the secrets of the universe. He just let me know he was there. So 16 years later, when my son drowned, I pulled on that piece of information and said, if Iron Joe is somewhere and Christopher just crossed over, then he's got to be there too. So I reached out to the same medium. She had moved to uh, Surprise, Arizona. And actually, a couple years back, my son was working for a spring training baseball, and I went out and, and had lunch with her. So I had done a couple of readings with her on the phone that were amazing. She told me things that I didn't know for a fact until I got the coroner's report. She told me she knew a lot of stuff. So I believed it, and I, I believed that it was true, and I needed to know more. You know, there's a book by a guy named Bob Olson who was a private investigator in LA whose dad died wanted to see if there was any uh, truth to mediums, to connecting to the other side. And he wrote a fabulous book, you know, about investigating. And, and I, I read the book and, and I really liked it. And, uh, and, and, and these connections with, uh, uh, and Nancine, but Nancine was cool because, you know, she's like a therapist that said, you can't do this all the time. You know, you can connect here and there, but we can't talk every week. You know, right. you know, you've got to figure out this search somewhere else. So I started doing a lot of investigating. I started doing a lot of research. And unbeknownst to me, there was a, I said, I wanted to see mediums in my area, you know, in the, in the Chicago area. And I'm on the North, uh, North shore of, of Chicago. Uh, and, uh, and there was a guy named Andrew Anderson who had these great reviews well, it turns out the book that I had started reading, that I finished reading, you know, initially was Bob Olson's. It was his, re, you know, page of reviewing mediums, which I had no wow. idea. Yeah, it's really pretty crazy. So I, uh, I reached out, made an appointment with this cat, and uh, and it was a little. This was early on, man. I, I mean, I was like ankle deep in this stuff, and I was, I'm a blue collar guy at heart. I, you know, this isn't anything I was raised on. So I'm trying to navigate it, my, and and. So I figured, you know, if I get a message that it's not a good idea, then I just won't go or I'll cancel. Right. You know, all he had was my first name, you know, phone number. So the day that I'm going there, um, two things happened. One is the night before Amazon, I had gotten some shamrock seeds. We're Irish, you know, and I had gotten some shamrock seeds. And, and I didn't talk about it in the second book, but I did in the first book, is we buried him in and in, in, you know, January 8th, uh, it was frozen, cold, nasty. And 
uh, my buddy and I bought a number of, 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 of graves. I brought three grave sites for uh, me, Sally, and, and Christopher at that time. And, and what the woman didn't tell me when we picked out where Christopher was going to be buried was it was next to another couple because the ground was covered in snow. Sure. So when the snow melted, it looked like he was their kid. Well, that wasn't going to do. You know, I raised a little hell um, and we moved him over one. You know, I tried to get him to do it for free. That didn't happen. But um, and, and it was one of these things that was actually, Sandra, you know, it was before I even learned to rely on that higher voice. Mm-hmm. I just thought, should I do this as a waste of money? It's just dumb. It was one of the best moves I ever made because I'm so content at that grave. You know, it's a perfect spot. Now I'll, I'll occupy the place that he was. So we moved him over one. So this in, in June 30th of 2016, about six months after my son crossed over, I stopped at a graze to plant some shamrock seeds. Before I left the house, I took a, uh, a bracelet uh, that he had given me when he was five or six at Disney World. And I had Goofy on the, the clasp and it said, Dad, you know. And I had it in a drawer or a jewelry box. Somewhere. And for some reason, I just grabbed it and put it on under, under a sleeve, you know, and, and moved on. So I go into this guy's office. This is Andrew's first time I met him. And he said, you want to see a picture of Chris? And he goes, you know, I got to tell you, Chris you know, looks like a fun-loving guy and, and uh, you know, Hawaiian shirt and all that. She, he goes, but there was some darkness in him. And sometimes he didn't want to be here. And Sally and I knew that. We were worried about that, you know. And he was. He was a party boy. He was fun, a fun-loving, tough kid. But there were some moments, you know. And, uh, and, and, and he said, and you guys celebrated something yesterday. What was that? Well, that was Sally, my anniversary. As a matter of fact, you know, June 29th, we celebrated 30 years. And, and the fact that we survived this is unusual. People lost kids, and, uh, but we're stronger than ever. And I'm very grateful for her. And they said, Christopher's here. He looks like Brad Pitt. He's beautiful. He said, uh, and he says, he acknowledges you're wearing a, uh, a bracelet he gave you. And he acknowledges you planted something in his grave today. And I was like, oh, my God. And, and that was the moment, Sandra, I went from believing yep. to knowing. And, and from then on, that was the first 10 minutes of this thing. And it was buckle up. Andrew and I have become friends. I'll do spirit circles with him. I'll go out there. And, and I, every, you know, once in a while, you, you know, you don't do a steady diet of mediums. You know, you got right. to kind of bring this around for yourself. But, you know, and you got to work on your own skills. And, and, but I'll go out there and he'll ask me to come out when there's a group and, and whatever. And, and love the guy. And, and, you know, Christopher, you know, I really believe with mediums that the, the spirit has to connect with the medium for it to work. And, and you've got to connect with the medium. It's kind of like coaches or, you know, chefs, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, well, I think it's be, like cell phone towers. Like, you know, you have yes. like one cell phone here, one cell phone here, and then there's a tower in the middle that connects you. So I look at mediums as cell phone towers. I, I couldn't agree more, but I also think there's a personality that if the yeah. spirit doesn't like the medium or doesn't oh. like, you know, there's just nothing. And I've been fortunate. I've seen some uh, Thomas John. I've, we've had some amazing uh, uh, medium connections and, and, and Susan Giesman you know, and they've all, Christopher's all come storming through, you know, so um, that was the moment that I knew. And then I knew I had to figure some stuff out on my own, or, you know, there's a lot of research, there's a lot of stuff out there. So interestingly, you know, I kept pursuing this the first year, and, uh, and right around, uh, not right around, on his 
on his anniversary was crossing over January 3rd, 2017. I got up at three o'clock in the morning, which is kind of becoming the habit. I just go in his office and sit and meditate and light a candle. And I got a message and, and it was, you know, I had a, a legal pad on my desk with a pen uh, and I got a message that said, you know, hi dad, you know, you're not going to believe this place. It's amazing. And I just started writing down and I started taking copious notes of, you know, he was dictating to me, you know, and one of the things he said to me is he said, you got to let go. I love Scotty. He loved me. He's just being him. Now, what happened was Scotty was the kid whose parents owned the lake house and I had a resentment. Oh, and I'm sure. Irish. I, I wanted to hold on to it. Right? I think Remember? anyone would. Yeah. They, you know, Irish Alzheimer's is where you forget everything but the grudges, you know? <laughs> and, and so I, you know, and here he's telling me, you got to let go of this dad. So I, I said, okay, buddy, anything for you besides when will I ever see this kid again? Right. right. And this is, it's an easy promise to handle. 12 hours later at his grave, I get a call text from some of his college friends who these kids are like family to us. Now we just went to a wedding last weekend for one of them. And they come to the golf outing They come to the anniversary party we have every year. And this is the first one that started. They said, Mr. McHugh, a bunch of us getting together at the grave at three o'clock, you know, on his anniversary, you want to join us. And Sally and I were going to go there. I didn't work that day, of course. And we were just going to go there at, 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 at sundown and, and let a let light a Chinese um, uh, lantern. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and so I went over there and, and it was amazing. I pull into the circular driveway of this wonderful cemetery that's open 24 hours. And there were 35, 40 kids there already. You know, it was like amazing. And, uh, and one of the first kids I saw was Scotty. So Christopher was preparing me that I was going to see this kid. So it wasn't going to be a shock. And I wasn't going to, I, I embraced the kid. It wasn't his fault. It could have been anybody's house. Could have been my house, oh. you know? So, but I, at that point, I was like, oh God, not only is he giving me messages, he's directly involving himself in my life, you know? And so I have this incredible gift that I've been given, you know, and it's like the gift of sobriety. You got to give it away to keep it. I mean, that's why I'm on, you know, on radio, TV, you know, talk to parents. If somebody needs something, call me, you know, not because I'm an expert, just because I've walked through the path maybe a little before somebody else did, you know, so that was the first year. So I started keeping notes of all these meetings with him. And to this day, it happens two or three times a month. And, you know, I had a pamphlet full of this. And I, I actually expected that all of this was just going to be stuff I'd keep in his folder. And that when I'm retired someday, good luck, but um, sitting on a, on, a, on a porch in a rocking chair, smoking a cigar, reading this stuff for me. And in April, uh, you know, April of 2017, Sally's brother was visiting. They were talking about how tenacious he was as a little kid. He played hide and seek. And he'd say, uh, you know, hide again. And then you'd find him under the laundry basket or behind the couch and you go hide again. And I thought, I need to find him. You know, that's what this is about. And I went up to my office and started writing the book. You know, I didn't expect to write a first book, much less a second, you know. Um, but he told me and, and continuously through the first book, he would he would kind of rank, rank on me sometimes like you got to You got to work harder, dad. You got to keep going. 
I saw Thomas John. He looked at me and said, you writing a book? Chris says you got to get going on this thing. I said, I'm doing this, doing as fast as I can. I'm neither a professional medium or official writer, but yeah, I'm doing it. And, uh, and so he told me to be done. He wanted it done by Father's Day of 2018. And I did. And it was published by Thanksgiving of 2018. And this next one, we took a little more time and he wasn't as, uh, he wasn't as pushy and we got it done. Um, but it's all about experiences, you know. Um, there's a really great quote from the book, The Shack, right? And it says, just because I work incredible good out of unspeakable tragedies, doesn't mean that I orchestrate the tragedies. And that was from God. And that's what that is. This is incredible good out of unspeakable stuff. Now I got to tell you, Sandra, I would really rather be abysmally ignorant of all of this. Right. And watch the Monday night game with my boy, right? I wouldn't, but you know, oh, that, bell, that bell can't be unrung. So it's like, what are you going to do now? What can you do to help others? You know, and as long as I keep helping others, I keep this connection with him. So it's a really good trade for me, you know, and kind of that's my story. I'm sticking to it. You know, one thing I will laugh about is before we started recording, you talked about, you know, a lot of people think we left the reservation, you and me, you know, it's like, you know, what's that, you know, talking to dead people doing this. I was raised in an Irish Catholic family. There were 10 of us. I was the youngest of 10 kids. And, and the neighbors all hated us because we had dogs and football games. And, and so we learned, to, I learned to care about the people that you care about that are closest, you know, and there's a quote, my friend, you told me, it said that I had the unassailable self-confidence that comes from a childhood insulated with love. I was loved. So if somebody outside my inner circle thinks I'm a little off the wall, that's all right. You know, that's fine. Take your misery and move on. You know, the first interview I did on radio, the woman said, what do you tell people that just don't buy it? I said, tell them to change the channel. I ain't right. selling anything, you know. And that's right. how we got here. Right. I mean, there are so many things you know, that you talked about, um, about finding meaning within just unspeakable circumstances and keeping that connection alive. And I know I have always had, when I interview people who talk about the afterlife and talk about connections, the night before I'm going to talk to them, and I, you know, I stopped doing it because it's, it's kind of rude, but in the beginning I felt I had to, I would always say something like to spirit, like if my mom is really here, have her bring me flowers and make it obvious to me. And yeah. I remember talking to Dr. Geraldine Tegelov, who's a regular on my shows, and she's talking to me, talking to me in the middle of talking about something else, like nothing under the sun. She goes, oh my goodness, she's Australian. Oh my goodness, Sandra. She's like, your mother is here and she has the most beautiful bouquet of sunflowers. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. okay, first of all, we weren't talking about flowers. We never talked about flowers. You don't know anything about my mother. You know nothing about my life. The only <laughs> person who knows what was going on in my head was me and God sitting in my bed at night going, tomorrow I'm going to interview this famous intuitive from Australia. If she's the real deal, God, let me know, mom, let me know, send me something. And it was just an aside, send me some flowers, like, you know, like kind of a joke in my head. Yep. But for it to come out like that, <clears throat> I have this recorded. I don't have to go back and 
um, double check. Now I will, if I, if somebody's new to the industry or somebody's new to, you know, medium sip or things like that. Yeah. I might be like in my head going, okay, if you mention the word Lily, that's another one that I've used. And again, it's a flower, it's an obscure flower. And one of the mediums I was interviewing says to me, she's like, you know, my book is dedicated to a girl named Lily. And she's talking about Lily. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, I think it can work as simple as this little bit of like fact checking. I am a trained journalist. I do have a master's in business. So if your mother says she loves you, check it out. Like I'm a fact check girl. There are ways you can actually check some of these things. And it's not because I wanted to, it's not because I wanted to believe these things. They come unbidden. Like, yes, I wanted to hear from my mom. You wanted to hear from your son who wouldn't. But because they come so randomly in the beginning, like you're just doing something else. Like for me, I was watering the roses in my front yard, you know, Southern California, they're, you know, dead and dried. I hear my mother's voice as clear as can be. She's like, I did not raise you to give up like this. You know, I got divorced at the same time. My mother died after a long illness. I was completely like, you know, the battle weary soldier just, you know, and I was watering my roses, wanting to, to dissolve into the earth with the dirt. Now I had two kids I had to raise. I'm soul supporting. I needed to take care of my father. Like I had obligations like you, there was no luxury of laying down and giving up. And then I hear my mother's voice going, I didn't raise you to be like this. And I felt her hand on my chin, turn my head from one side to the other. She goes, stop looking backwards look forward to everything that's there for you. I didn't raise you to give up. And, you know, you can't tell me that wasn't her. You can't tell me that that was some manifestation. I'm in a full-blown pity party. He sends me cardinals. He sends me cardinals. (laughs) You get cardinals. He sends me cardinals and feathers, you know, and there's times I'll say, buddy, I sure could use a sign. You know, here's, here's, here's a great story. I was... Just last year, I was driving up. It was during COVID and everything was closed. So my son and I were sneaking on a golf course club that I belong. And and I was driving up and uh, Sherry Jewell, this wonderful medium, local gal, said, hey, I just gave your name to uh, a woman who lost a son. He was an adult son, but he was a son. And 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 I just wanted to make sure it was okay. I go, you're always welcome to give my name and number. And that morning, I had printed on Helping Parents Heal a chapter called um, uh, Empty Boots. Now, mm-hmm. Chris wore Timberland boots like all these boys in, in, in the winter. And and I walked in one day and, and long after he was gone and I saw a pair of Timberland boots laying on the, laying in the hall. And I thought, oh, good, you know, Chris is home. And then, it, of course, it sinks in that, you know, they were my younger son's boots and Chris wasn't home and, and, uh, and I just, and I wrote a, literally an excerpt because I wanted people at Helping Parents Heal to know that's going to happen. You're going to step on a landmine and it's going to be okay. Let yourself feel, let yourself cry, yell, throw something, do whatever you need to do. Let the tsunami go back out, right? Yeah. Let, it, let it subside. So I had just posted that. And this woman, Sherry, is not, didn't lose a kid. So she's not on Helping Parents Heal. The Helping Parents Heal is a great, um, group, you know, web group. I, I'm actually on November one, I'm talking to the, the national chapter. They're phenomenal. But you can only be accepted if you've lost a kid. 
So she had no idea. So we're, I'm driving up talking to her. She goes, oh, by the way, Chris is out here and I feel him tingle. She said, did you ask him for a sign? And I said, yeah, I did. She said, because he's sending me um, Timberland boots. Yeah. Now, you know, you, you you can't make that stuff up. Right. right? And then he, and he said, another thing, did, did he drink whiskey sours? And we had been on a cruise when he was drinking. And I was teasing him about drinking silly drinks and umbrella drinks and such. And, and it was just all it was was a validation. You yeah. know, you know, it was just a validation. And basically, you, you got to understand, they're not omnipotent, omnipotent. They're not God. They're just right. souls on the other side. You know, so, uh, you know, everything doesn't have to be a heavy message. All this message was, was I'm here, Dad. You know, right. please don't, don't, please don't doubt it. You know, I had a woman ask me one time, I was doing a group at, at a theater out here, you know, Wilma Theater. And uh, and a woman said, you know, my sister died a number of years ago and, and I haven't heard from her. And, and I used the analogy of the cell phone. And I said, you got to try her. You yeah. know, I said, remember when the cell phones are new and you'd go out on a dock or up on somebody's right. patio to get cell phones? I said, that's the same thing. You know, when I sit down, Right now, I've got, do I look like a guy that would light sage and candles and, <laughs> no. and hold, hold, you know? You look like hold. a former Marine. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped no, playing hockey last year. Yeah. So I got my crystals. I got candles going. I got sage. I, I, I aligned my chakras before you answered and you came online. You know, that's what I do. And I do that because it gets me a better reception. That's it's right. like walking out on the deck. You know, yep. so when this woman was bemoaning her plight, I said, hey, what are you doing? Right. What are you to doing? help your sister to connect? Right. Do your part, man. And and I think one of the reasons that we, we laugh about I don't look like a kind of guy that would, you know, be be, be involved that a good part of my life is involved on this side. Is that 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 Chris said you're an ambassador, dad. Guys will buy it from you. Yes. That might not buy it from somebody else. That's right. You know, somebody's got to give fathers permission to feel and find out. And you're the guy, you know, so that's my task. I'm in. There you go. There well, you and I, go. you know, I think it's interesting you say about the, you know, cause I hear that a lot of people going, well, you know, they haven't, you know, they haven't come and visited me. Like, like it's incumbent upon the departed yeah. person to come to you. And, you know, I meditate a lot and I journal a lot. And sometimes I have these dreams or these visions. And when my mom comes to visit, I know it's not the same as a son. You know, I recognize that. But when my mom, the one couple of times my mom came to visit in this dream, I'm like, I met her on a, on a tennis court. Now, neither of us played tennis, but we both walked <laughs> up to this tennis net. And my mom's, and I'm like, well, mom, come, you know, come closer. She's like, no, this is, this is as far as I can go. This is as far as you can yeah. go. And she was showing me like, you know, kind of what it, you know, kind of what it was. And then I had another dream where we were both walking together, you know, face to face. And I started laughing because I remember waking up laughing. I'm like, mom, how is it? I can see you. She goes, I know I can see you too. And she's like, you look beautiful. And I said, mom, you look fabulous. And then I, she said, I, I can't waste a lot of time or energy, not time. I can't waste a lot of energy. She goes, it takes a lot for me to come yeah. here. And it takes a lot for you to come here. And she's like, we can't do this all the time. I need you to know that I'm okay. You're going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. You have things to do. And it was as clear as if I had met her. The like tennis it, net is a perfect example, right? 
Yeah, there's it's just a tennis a boundary. Net. And I will share one other thing with you because you didn't have, and I know this sounds weird to say it's a luxury, okay? Your yeah. son was taken from you or your son left abruptly. My mother was sick and dying of a virulent form of breast cancer, and it chipped away at her over years. So I had a lot of time to spend with her in the dying process. And there were times when my mother was out of her body. She laid in the bed. She looked for all intensive purposes, dead, only a little bit of breathing. And I'm like, I don't even think my mom's in there. And then she would come back. And one of the most profound things she said to me, which is my kind of validation for what you're doing. My mom opened her eyes and she said, oh, it's so beautiful there. Now she's not on any drugs at this point. She's not on hospice. They're not pumping her full of morphine. She tells me it's so beautiful there. And then she looked at me and she says, you have to know I'm just in the next room. She's like, when I leave my body, when I go, and this is a woman who was almost a nun. She was very Catholic. You know, we prayed in Latin, like, you know, she, she had her May altars. You have a May altar. Exactly. She has her faith and her Easter lamb made out of butter. Um, But she said, I'm just going to be in the next room and I can't help you from where I am in this broken, diseased, like awful body. She goes, so think of me as if I'm in the next room. Cause I was crying, you know, here I am divorced. I have two small children. My ex-husband left us, you know, typical, you know, lifetime movie sob story. And I was like, mom, how am I going to do this without you? Because my mom became my rock, you know, since I wasn't remarried, I didn't have a boyfriend. You know, my mom was my rock. She talked me off the ledge every day, every day I needed. I don't know how to raise these kids, mom. They're only three months old and three years old. You have to help me. You have to help me. It's not surprising. My mother died like 30 days after my divorce was final. Like she hung on to see me through, but that time on her deathbed where she said to me, she can't help me from this body. She has to go there in the next room, as she called it, because she can help me from there. That's, do you want to hear an amazing, my favorite sister? And she was like a mom in many ways, a real source of, I had a wonderful mom, don't get me wrong, but my sister was a real source of love. And she was Christopher's godmother and was a huge source of love and acceptance for him. And, and you know, and I'm looking at her mask card. She transitioned February 6, 2019. And, and I just adored her. And she had a four or five year cancer this healthy, vibrant, you know, she was a champion of the golf course. She ride road bikes. I bought a, when Christopher was a baby, a bike seat to put on her bicycle so they could ride together. So huge source of love. She came to me last night, by the way, but this woman was a huge source of love. A couple of days before she died, we were in hospice and I was visiting her in Naples and, uh, I, I, and I was, it was just her man. She said, you gave me the greatest gift, honey. She'd call me. She said, I read your book and I'm not afraid to die. Now that from somebody who provided so much love is the, if I could give her that, I was so grateful. And the funny thing is, Christopher had said to me in a visit that Aunt Marsha, when Aunt Marsha crossed, he'd be there. And so he said, dad, I was there like I promised. So was Jerry, Pat, you know, Billy, Bobby, her her siblings. They were all there. But here's something why I knew this wasn't me making this up, because I had no thought of this. He said, she came, we greeted her. Then she had to go somewhere, like a spa, 
And when she came back, she was younger than when I was even a little kid. I never thought of that, that she crossed over. And even though the cancer stayed with her body here, the trauma right. crossed. So she had to go somewhere to heal. And like he said, what a gentle, loving thing to say, like to a, a woman like my sister, like a spa. I, uh, two years ago on my birthday, I went out and saw uh, this woman uh, uh, who's a really good medium out in the Western suburbs, a different one. And, and Jill Nicole's her name. And she said, you know, your, Chris, your son's Christopher's here, but so is this other woman who's a sister, but kind of a mom and an aunt too, because it was Christopher's aunt, godmother, come on to me. And she's saying to you, thanks for giving her the greatest gift, you know? And it's like, okay, you know, Christopher's with Marcia, Christopher's with my dad, Christopher's with my brother, Jerry, you know, how, how, how good is that? You know, yeah. Sandra? I got a lot of work to do, right? I mean, I, you know, you know, I, I still have work to do, but I'm, I'm still, my kids still need me and, and, and I still, I, I'm in a wonderful relationship with my wife. And, but if God tapped me on the shoulder, said, time to go, cat, you know, time to go, kid, I'm okay yeah. because I know what's next. I get right. to be with Christopher for the next round around the track, right? So it's hard for me to fear death, even though I'm, I'm, I'm full of love and life on this side. When it's time to go, you know, just let me know my number. I'm in, you know. Right, because we're not really going. We're not disappearing no. into the dust. Like, no. you know, that's that's what I learned with all this. Like my mom said, we're going to the next room and everybody's right. going to go to the next room eventually. So, you know, you've got to be patient. And I'm just going to close with this. Um, and I'd okay. love to have you back and talk. I would love um, to. Anybody, anybody, any Bills fan that wants me back, is uh, you name the time, kid. Good. When my son was my younger son, who's who's 15 now, when he was three years old, he jumped up on my bed. Now, this is this is years after my mom died. He doesn't know yeah. my grandmother's name who died, you know, 30 years ago. He hops up on my bed and he says, I talked to grandma. And I said, what do you mean you talked to grandma? And, and he says, I talked to grandma. And I said, well, what did she say? She said, I'm waiting for you. Yeah. Now, my son did not know my mother. You know, he, he had no recollection. It's not like I showed him millions of pictures. We don't have videos. It wasn't that way. This is a three-year-old hopping on my bed in his PJs, you know, his little, you know, Dora the Explorer, which he loved, you know, PJs. And he's got this funny look on my face. And he says, I'm waiting for you. And then he looks at me and he goes, but she said it would be okay because it wouldn't be for a very long time. Now, these are not words that come out of a three-year-old's mouth. Now, he was a little chatty Kathy and he had his little baby voice, but he sounded, he sounded different. He didn't sound like my normal three-year-old. And I'm sitting here going, what three-year-old comes on the bed talking about a dead grandmother and yeah. saying, you know, and said in that sing-song voice that I could tell was my mom, I'm waiting for you. Wasn't creepy. Wasn't weird. It was just is. And so like you, if my time to go is today or tomorrow, I'm a-okay with that. I don't want to hasten it, but I know right. that it's not the end. So right. if you guys want to learn about this. The guy's name is Joe McQuillan, and I'm going to spell that because it's M C 
Q-U-I-L-L-E-N, Joe McQuillan. The book of today is We're Not Done Yet, Pop. My lessons from the other side. I really think that you need to get a copy of this book. There's also messages of hope and still right here. These are very healing and wonderful books. And Joe, I'm just going to say, you know what? If you and I are both dead wrong, let's say that when we're done, we're done. We're just going to fall into ashes, dust to dust and never to be heard from again. I don't care because these books make living on earth better. So there right. is a no-lose situation. You can either be wrong when we're dead and have believed a fallacy and lived a greater life, or guess what? You get to live a greater life and move on to the next room. So we'll be back again next week with another but great- we're not wrong. We're not we're, wrong. We're not wrong. We're not we wrong. We know this for a fact. And the books, both books are available on Amazon. Um, get them. You know, get if them. anybody wants to reach out, you know, if you, you know, give somebody my email, my phone number. If you need something, give me a call. Absolutely. Joe McClellan, thank you for being my guest today. I have a feeling you're going to be back soon. And um, your lessons from the other side are helping us on this side. We'll be back again next week. Thanks. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 